When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, Shoot that, shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Ah! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. Welcome to the latest edition of March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Katz. On this edition of our show, I'll be joined by Ohio State Seth Towns, a transfer from Harvard, who could be a Big Ten Player of the Year candidate. Gonzaga's Corey Kispert, who will compete for the WCC Player of the Year and could lead the number one or number two team in the country to the Final Four. And Alabama State's Mo Williams, a former Alabama star and a 13-year NBA player who was an all-star and won a title with the Cavaliers in 2016. First off... As we are taping our show, there was plenty of chaotic news on the future of fall sports in Division I. But I want to reiterate, every stakeholder in Division I fully plans on a college basketball season and a 2021 NCAA tournament. Dates are set now to start November 10th and April 5th in Indianapolis. And those, of course, can change. But we are all confident, extremely confident, there will be a season and a champion in 2021. So that's why we are forging ahead with our top 20 returning players and much more. On this show, we've got numbers 15 to 11, and that includes Seth Towns. Towns will discuss his injuries, his reason for choosing to come home, and the new world we live in now, where speaking out for what is right is embraced. Towns was briefly detained in one of the early protests following the murder of George Floyd in the spring. He will not be shy about expressing his views and feeling empowered to do so. Here he is, Ohio State senior Seth Towns. Seth, uh, first, how are you feeling? Because it's been a couple of seasons since you've been on the court. So let's just first get an update on your health status. Yeah, I'm feeling I'm feeling a lot better. Um you know, than I have previously. Uh, the doctors and the medical staff uh, all together just have been um, really instrumental in, in pushing this thing forward. So, um, you know, almost 100% and, and really looking forward to playing again. So um, the process of deciding to leave Harvard and go uh, to Ohio State, uh, you know, you were ready to play no matter where you were going to play. If you can just take us back a little bit as to uh, what your thinking was, uh, your former Ivy League Player of the Year, obviously great success at Harvard under Tommy Amaker. Um, you, you're from there, so I mean, there was obviously a, a hometown appeal. But what were you thinking in terms of, you know, what this was the right time to make an, you know, another move within my college career? Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot went into the decision. Obviously, uh, too much to summarize here, but I mean, there were there were so many great things about Ohio State that I couldn't overlook. One, it's home, obviously. You know, basketball-wise, I, I thought it was a perfect fit. Um, 
just the game style and defensive scheme and all, all the tactical things. And then like my trust in Coach Holtman, which grew while I was in high school and he recruited me at Butler. So yeah, I would say those three things ultimately. Um, and then the cherry on top is, you know, I, I've been a Buckeye fan all my life. So finally get to live out that dream. You know, I mean, you kind of get the best of both worlds as a college athlete. I mean, you get to experience and get educated at Harvard. Not that, you know, I mean, nothing wrong with an Ohio State education, but you get to obviously play in the Ivy, go to school at Harvard, and then finish your career at Ohio State. In that sense, uh, how do you feel about sort of maximizing, you know, the overall college experience potentially? Yeah, uh, my, you know, my college experience is one that I'm excited to tell my grandchildren. Harvard, I mean, I, I couldn't have gone anywhere else that would offer the same opportunity, the same uh, like network and all the different things that go into that. And what that community has turned me into, um, I think, or, or helped cultivate and develop, you know, I, I, I couldn't ask for a better, a better place. And then to come to Ohio State to finalize this, this college experience, I mean, you know, it's, it's a storybook ending. Or storybook beginning, perhaps. Yes, we got a new chapter here. And and Seth, I've got you down as one of the top 20 returning players in college basketball. For those that um, maybe didn't watch you, forgot over the last uh, two seasons, what are they going to see when you do step on that floor for Ohio State? Yeah, well, thank you, uh, first and foremost. And, um, you know, I think you'll see a, a, a hungry, you know, I'm obviously hungry to get back on the court. Um, so I'll play with tons of passion as I always have, um, I can score, shoot the ball. Um, but I mainly set on just trying to come back and make all the right plays, um, and enjoy the game as I once did. So, you know, not, not too much like trying to prove myself as a scorer, but just enjoying the game, having fun and winning with my teammates. So Seth, obviously this has been, um, an unprecedented off season. Um, you among many of your peers, uh, and, and there's two obviously massive stories right now, massive societal issues. One is COVID-19, and the other uh, is this awakening that really needed to happen society-wise based on the systemic racism in this country for literally 400 years. Um, what is this offseason, and in what way has this offseason sort of matured you, awoken sort of a voice within you to, to speak and be empowered to do so? Yeah. Um, well, you know, these are unprecedented times all across the board. And um, I don't think they, they canceled. Um, I was talking about this with one of my friends earlier. I don't think they canceled a Harvard graduation since um, World War Two. So um, we're, we're literally living in history and uh, you, you learn so much out of that naturally. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's meant so much like for, uh, for us to have to adapt to, to COVID, um, for us to be, you know, awakened in a sense, um, in regards to social justice. So, you know, there's, a, there's a lot to go into it, but I'm, I'm glad and proud that I could be a part of it, um, in the right way and continue to be a part of it and use my platform in any way I can. So we've seen with the NBA in the bubble and the WNBA, both leagues, players have embraced it. You know, whether it's Black Lives Matter, whether it's different names or sayings, what have you on their back of their jerseys, what they're saying in postgame interviews. How do you see that translating when we get to a season, whenever that is, but it will happen when we get to one? How do you see that translating for you and your peers in college basketball? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, we, we saw, um, you know, NCAA just altogether approve the, um, the patches on the jersey. So 
Um, you know, I think there are, there are creative ways to empower athletes for them to use their voice, as we've seen with the names on the back of the jerseys, um, you know, and, and just like how a lot of the NBA players are using their media time. Um, you know, a lot of athletes are feeling empowered right now. I mean, you see that every other day, it seems like another athlete is coming up and voicing his opinion and it's being heard. It's not, you know, just overlooked. Um, the Clemson quarterback is a perfect example. Right. Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Trevor Lawrence. And, and that was, I think that was just yesterday or, or the day before. So it's, it's great to see that, um, that athletes are using their constitution, right. And being people and, and being empowered. In, in what way do you think you will be even more socially active in your hometown on this campus? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough to say right now. Um, I've been, you know, lately and just talking and listening, um, and in a lot of meetings and, and, um, I'm thinking and contemplating over that now. So, um, we'll have to see, but I am, you know, really excited and motivated this season to, to use this platform in a way that I haven't been before. So, and I think a lot of other athletes too. The last thing, Seth, that I, and, and I've talked to countless coaches about this is not that they weren't listening before, but their ears are being opened, if you will, to these raw conversations of what their players' lives are like when they leave the court, when they just are being themselves as human beings out in the community. And maybe these things were discussed, maybe they weren't. But in, in terms of raw conversations you've had with the staff, um, maybe even former staff members at Harvard, but now at Ohio State, are you seeing that as well, that people are really listening now and saying, you know what, talk to me, tell me what you're feeling what your life has been like and here's how hopefully as a collective group we can make it better yeah um yeah i think now more than ever and as you said they weren't not listening before but they're certainly listening now and you know that's largely attributed to the global push towards this cause but um yeah i mean it's it's really hard not to feel like you need to have these conversations as as a person right now witnessing all that's going on so there's so much, you know, information and people are being educated in ways they haven't before through social media and all these other things. So, yeah, it's it's exciting to see so many people listening and, and wanting to see what they can do. And, you know, I know I've had plenty of conversations and a lot of my NCAA teammates have as well with their coaches and staff and teammates and all that. Well, Seth, I appreciate it. I uh, can't wait to see you back on the court one of our top 20 returning players in college basketball for this upcoming season. Great to have you in the Big Ten. You did wonderful work uh, in the Ivy at Harvard. Glad you're healthy, and we look forward to seeing you on the court and all that you're going to do even off this season and in years to come. Appreciate it, Seth. Thank you so much, Andy. Thank you. Andy Katz, that guy will rank his wife's dinners. He'll rank anything. Andy Katz for March Madness and March Madness 365 continuing our countdown with the top 20 returning players in college basketball. Now, this is overall, not just players that withdrew from the NBA draft. These are top 20 returning players in college basketball. Last week, we did numbers 20 to 16. This week, numbers 15 to 11. Let's start at number 15. Johnson wants a lot of play. Keontae Johnson from Florida, junior forward, averaged 14 and 7 this past season, 
shot 54% from the field. Now, Florida had kind of a crazy season this past season, very erratic early, underachieved, and then started to play much better basketball toward the latter part of the season. They've got the core group of their team back. They did lose Andrew Nemhard, ended up transferring to Gonzaga, but Scotty Lewis is back. Um, this is a team, yet again, that should be in the NCAA tournament. And Keontae Johnson should be the leader and one of the SEC Player of the Year candidates. At number 14, Hauser. Fade away. Sam Hauser knocked it down. Sam Hauser from Virginia, playing his senior season in the ACC after playing three previous seasons at Marquette in the Big East, sat out last season at Virginia, which in this case was perfect for him because you need time to learn Tony Bennett's system. Hauser with the Cavaliers is certainly going to add some big-time scoring punch. No Marcus Howard to play off of now. Uh, He could be basically one of the go-to scorers, averaging 14, seven boards for Marquette two seasons ago, shot 40% on threes and a 92% free throw shooter. So Hauser, as an addition to Virginia, that's a major, major plus for Tony Bennett and the Cavaliers. At number 13, Ooh, and a foul as well. Brooks slamming it down and a thunder dunk. Staying in the ACC, Garrison Brooks from North Carolina. Senior, forward, averaged 16.8 points a game last season, 8.5 boards. Obviously, the team struggled mightily, had injuries with Cole Anthony, but Garrison Brooks was the anchor. He was a consistent presence, shot 53% from the field. Needs to become a much better free throw shooter at 64%, but he's going to be a leader, and I think Roy Williams is going to funnel a lot of that offense through Garrison Brooks. At number 12... I'm here to announce that my next game will be played in a scarlet and gray uniform as an Ohio State Buckeye. Seth Towns, now playing for the Ohio State University. Hasn't played in a couple seasons. Been injured at Harvard. Was the Ivy League Player of the Year in 2018. 16 points a game. 5.7 boards. 80% free throw shooter. 44% on threes. Uh, In the Big Ten, Seth Towns is going to be one of the best players facing the basket. Certainly can score around the basket for the Buckeyes. He will blend seamlessly in with Ohio State, the Columbus native, coming back home. And at number 11... Kispert pops out, launches a three. Got it! Corey Kispert from Gonzaga. Uh, Corey flirted with the NBA draft. He's going to be a senior. He's not a glue guy. He's a Mr. Everything. He could be a leading scorer for the Zags. He's essentially their most valuable player and can be their most outstanding player at times. Averaging 13, four boards, 81% free throw shooter, almost 44% on threes. He's a great leader, great locker room guy. And he potentially could lead the Zags to yet another Final Four and possibly a number one preseason ranking. So Corey Kispert checking in at number 11. So there's your countdown from 15 to 11. Keontae Johnson from Florida. Sam Hauser from Virginia. Garrison Brooks from North Carolina. Seth Towns from Ohio State. And Corey Kispert from Gonzaga. And now joining me here, March Madness 365 and March Madness, Corey Kispert from Gonzaga, one of our top 20 returning players in college basketball. Uh, Corey, let's start with your decision to withdraw from the NBA draft. By far the most unique NBA draft process 
ever. Uh, what was that process like for you? Yeah, it was different. Um, it was different from what I've heard it was like, and um, I've never done it before. So I was kind of walking through it brand new with everybody involved and um, a lot of Zoom calls just like this one. Uh, a lot of the same questions that you had to answer. Um, but I think I did well. I mean, I, I, I do well in front of a camera. And I do well kind of um, answering questions and explaining myself. So um, it kind of played to my advantage, thankfully. You know, we didn't know if there was going to be a combine uh, workouts as obviously the weeks and months progressed, that seemed highly unlikely. Um, what did you need to hear to maybe change your mind? Yeah, I mean, it was pretty much a sure shot. You know, I had, I had a lot of really good things going, uh, coming back here to Gonzaga. And so, um, leaving here for my senior year, uh, would need a sure shot. And, um, there was just enough kind of uncertainty, uh, between, you know, the feedback that I heard and also just obviously with the NBA season and everything being up in the air, um, that it was enough for me to come back. And I think I have all the resources here to, to make the big jump and to make a, a huge statement, I know, in my senior year and come back even stronger into the draft process next year. I mean, what we don't know is we don't know when the NBA season is going to start. We don't know if there's a G League. Uh, we don't know when the college basketball season, you know, could start, although we all assume it will start at some point. Uh, I can tell you unequivocally, there will be a season. There will be a 2021 tournament. Um, right now, it's scheduled November 10th to start and end on April 5th in Indianapolis. Um, we'll see if those dates hold, but it could be later, and that's fine. The certainty, though, at some point of there being a season, and I've heard this from your peers like Luca Garza and Ayo Desumo, how much did that play in that knowing there would be a season at some point and, and some of the uncertainty with the NBA and the G League? Yeah, it's, it's, it's totally valid. And like, you know, the G League is, is really important to the NBA and really important to a lot of guys, especially coming out of college. Um, the vast majority of people who get drafted do play in the G League. So uh, it's important for people to kind of have that, um, you know, going in. And, you know, having the season come back, you know, how, how financially, how it's, how important it is to the NCAA is really important. And that's one thing that coach few has told not only me, but our whole team, you know, we kind of have had a bunch of questions. We're seeing um, things like college football kind of being up in the air, a bunch of fall sports being canceled or pushed into the spring. So we obviously had questions and we go to him and um, he's explained to us very clearly that um, there will be a season coming this year. And we all feel very confident in that. And, Depending on when it is, um, you know, who knows, but uh, we're all working as if um, we're playing on November 10th and finishing up on, you know, April 5th, like you said. All right. So uh, one of your teammates, Phil Petrusev, decided to go back to Europe, uh, but you guys are loaded up front. Yourself, Drew Timmy, Anton Watson, Uma Ballo. He uh, didn't play last season. Watson was hurt. Uh, so you've got a lot of depth there. You bring in Jalen Suggs. Um, who's one of the best newcomers in the country. What do you anticipate this Gonzaga team looking like based on what you know of this roster right now? Yeah, I think it's going to be one of the most fun teams you've seen to watch in a long time. And that's that's hard to beat considering the, the teams we've had in the past. But we have really talented guards up front, um, good leadership in me and Joel, you know, coming back for his junior year. And really, you know, stud leadership up in the up at the guard front. And we have a lot of young bigs who are super talented too. Um, you know, like you said, Drew and Anton had a lot of experience last year, you know, Anton before he got hurt. And then, you know, Umar and, and Pavel Zakharov, they've had, um, they've shown flashes of really, really good basketball this summer and, um, they're getting better. They're making leaps and bounds by the day. And, you know, you're going to see, usually see a lot of, you know, 
experience with the bigs and kind of young with the guards, but it's going to be kind of flipped and um, our bigs have potential to be really, really good this year. All right. So what will a senior Corey Kispert look like? And you've played with plenty of uh, exceptional Gonzaga seniors. Mm -hmm. I think you're going to see a much more vocal and outspoken leader. Um, I kind of been leading by trying to lead by example my whole career here, but um, I'm kind of the let me kind of barking orders, kind of being an extension to coach you on the court. I think you're going to see another level of aggressiveness. I kind of notched that up uh, my junior year, and I plan on making that same notch again my senior year. Um, and a much more polished, you know, kind of all-around player, um, known as a catch-and-shoot guy, but I uh, plan on putting on deck a lot more and kind of making plays off the bounce to, to complement my shooting. All right, so obviously the workouts in a COVID-19 um, time period are unprecedented. What's it been like to be in the gym, you know, mask on, going to the floor, uh, everyone around you wearing masks, maybe gloves? What's that been like? Yeah, it's different. And um, it's a lot of like breakdown things. Um, but thankfully, this is what the summer's meant for anyways, you know, kind of getting the new guys up to speed, figuring out how we play, um, all that stuff. So it's it's kind of been business as usual, apart from everybody wearing a mask and gloves or whatever. But, you know, thankfully, we've been inching forward to kind of more game-like situations. Um, Gonzaga's done a great job of keeping us safe and making sure that we're staying healthy um, you know, but we're doing everything we can and it, it feels good to kind of have a semblance of a basketball back here and, and, and playing with the guys as much as we can. And, and lastly, Corey, um, I want to get your perspective on this because at the same time we're dealing with a pandemic, uh, we're having an awakening, uh, on social injustice in this country. And you as a college senior, um, really can be a leader like that. I mean, you know, it, it shouldn't be all at the feet of African-American players. What can you do to further this cause for a more just college experience, society, in your community, where you're from, and going forward? The possibilities are endless. You know, I come from a fairly uh, white, uh, conservative area, the school that I went to and everything like that. And um, kind of coming here and, and, and meeting new people and immersing myself in cultures and I mean, all that stuff, the international culture here is, is a whole different story, but um, I feel like I'm a much more well-rounded human being um, than when I got here. And, it, and, the, and the, the, the bounds that I've made personally have been incredible. And in Gonzaga, it has a lot to do with that. And, um, you know, it, you're right. It isn't at the feet of African-Americans. Um, you know, I have a, a, a great platform here um, as a leader and um, being able to feel comfortable in my own skin as a, as a white basketball player speaking out and, and really supporting and, and being an ally and standing with anybody who needs help and anybody who, you know, feels marginalized or um, disadvantaged or anything like that. That's, that's, that's also on my, my shoulders as well. Um, collectively as a country, we need to work together. And that starts from, you know, our leadership all the way down to people like me. So um, top to bottom, we need to move as one and, and Gonzaga is a great place to start. Well, Corey, great words. I know you'll feel empowered to speak up when appropriate and be that leader on and off the court. Great to have you back in college basketball. Can't wait to watch you at some point this season. Appreciate it, Corey. Thank you. Thanks, Andy. Pleasure as always. Now I want to turn our attention to Mo Williams, who chose to go to an HBCU in Alabama. This could be a new era for the HBCUs with brand names, choosing to coach and play in the historically black colleges and universities. Williams has a tremendous grasp on what he must do and why this was the perfect fit. He will be a welcomed voice in the sport for years to come.
Mo, a couple of things I want to get to with you. First, um, what's it been like uh, being back on campus uh, during a pandemic and uh, trying to make this work here uh, in the summer as we get closer to you know, the full student body being on campus uh, in the falls or in some form or fashion, uh, you know, students coming back to campus? Well, for one, it's just a different climate and everybody's going through the same thing. So it's no complaints. Um, it's just a lot of safety protocol and um, mandated um, type of situation that, you know, everybody's not used to that. You just got to get educated on and just make sure that, um, you know, you're, you're doing your, your safety precautions because um, in two days from now, our guys and our students will be coming back on campus. So it's a whole different ball game from what's been going on, you know, the last few weeks since employees been back on campus. So we're just kind of um, just making sure we're doing everything from a safety standpoint. And I think that's the biggest difference because right now you'll be thinking about, you know, um, basketball stuff and getting kids in the right class. So it's just different, you know, when you have to worry about the safety of your students also. You know, Mo, uh, we are seeing what's happened in some of the pro sports that are not in a bubble, that it's not the competition or the practice that you have to worry about. Uh, and this is, goes for college sports, too, obviously. It's those other hours. Um, as the leader of this program, what are you going to tell your guys about what they need to do when they're not with you to make sure we have a season and that they can stay on campus? That's a great question, Andy, because, you know, we've talked about that as a staff, but as a as a faculty, as a school, as a whole, that's been uh, a premium conversation for us, just making sure, you know, outside of um, going to class, outside of practice, when we're talking about student athletes, uh, we're just talking about their well-being and just, you know, what they're doing, you know, outside of the normal activity they do on the school campus. So, you know, they're college students, so, you know, it's a slippery slope. Um, but we have to just continue to stay on them and make sure they understand to be smart in all situations. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the, the main thing is that everyone has to grasp that this is going to be a different year. Um, and, you know, if you try to take the big picture, it might be harder for a senior, but for the most part, um, you know, you got to think long-term, the whole college experience uh, that uh, this might be the first six months that you're just going to have to check it and, and you know, do go where you're supposed to go, and that's about it, uh, you know, if we want to make sure we have the season we have. Um, now that you're sort of settling in to an unprecedented situation, um, you went to the University of Alabama. We talked about this earlier in the summer. Uh, but, you know, I want to get back to what drew you to an HBCU at Alabama State, especially, you know, in the current climate we're in, the sort of awakening, you know, hopefully, of this country uh, to social injustice. Well, what drew me was a great situation, um, a great university. Um, they had everything that I was looking for in a situation to be a head coach and run a program. Um, you know, just take the HBCU situation out. They just happened to be an HBCU. Um, they just checked all the boxes. Obviously, it's back in Alabama where I'm very familiar um, with the surroundings. Um, so all in all, it was, um, you know, it just checked all the boxes. As for HBCUs, um you know, everyone's saying the right thing. You know, we see McCurmaker committing and withdrawing from the NBA drafts. So he's going to go to Howard. Uh, we're seeing, you know, where, and I've heard this for years, why can't they get it done? And a lot of it is financially because the funding has not been the same. But there definitely feels like, uh, you know, a different movement of, of trying to pay more attention, fund more, or certainly have, you know, higher level players come on board. 
How much are you feeling at least a different environment about HBCUs like in Alabama State uh, from what we've all experienced over the last couple of months? Well, I think the, the, the awareness has grown. Um, I think kids and parents and, you know, the country as a whole um, has, has really uh, acknowledged HBCUs. Now, you know, the next step is obviously um, the next wave or changing narrative and, and getting guys like um, a cure maker to make decisions like that and know that he can achieve all his goals by going where he really want to go and not where he think he needs to go. Um, so at the same time, it's going to still be guys, a lot of guys go to, you know, your power fives and that's not going to change. Um, but it's a lot of situation where guys are good enough to go to power fives and they're just not the right situation for them where, you know, situation just not being their favor or whatever the case may be. And, it, and, you know, they don't look at HBCUs as a place where they can grow. And I think that's the narrative that is changing, um, that will continue to change. And and also, if we just continue to, with the awareness, you know, you have guys that um, that are giving back now that are making a consensus effort to give back. And I think that alone will just change the fabric of HBCU as a whole. So if you were recruiting Mo Williams out of high school, and you were competing with Alabama, where you went. Uh, how would you sell Alabama State to Mo Williams? Well, obviously, just like I was, <laughs> it'll be easy, really. Uh, <laughs> you know, it'll be easy to sell it, you know, but at the same time, um, you know, it, it, things hasn't changed. You know, Alabama facilities will be a lot better. You know, campus will be a lot bigger. Um, they play in a big, bigger conference. So if they sell in the same way I'm selling, um, chances are they're, they're going to have a level up. Um, you know, in our situation, you know, sometimes you got to get a little lucky. Sometimes you got to um, have a great relationship from the start from a kid and just recruiting them different. You know, Power Fives, they have so many kids on their radar and they, they start late sometimes recruiting guys. And um, you just got to have a different recruiting tactic. You know, you got to identify these guys as freshmen in high school, you know, sophomores in high school, develop a relationship with those guys because you just never know. I'm going to turn this on myself here. How much do you think we in the, you know, the college basketball media, the sports media um, need to do a better job of paying attention and covering uh, schools like Alabama State? Well, I would think, uh, you know, that's a premium. Um, I think that's that's something that obviously has changed. This is our second interview in a couple months here, you know, so that says a lot um, about yourself and about you know, what you're doing, how you're reaching out and want to get your stories out about HBCUs. And I really appreciate that. And we just got to get more guys just to continue to do that. And I think it's not uh, what you guys haven't been doing. I think it's just the awareness now, you know, just, hey, you know, it's a big topic. So your job is to get the stories right. And the stories is about HBCU. So it just haven't been a topic and it haven't been a narrative. So it was nothing for you to write about. And that's all true. And I, I think also, um, you know, we'll see how the networks handle it. Obviously, they can drive the narrative. But there have always been great stories in the MEAC and the SWAC, uh, and not just at Division One. We've seen, obviously, what's happened uh, in the NBA when you think about players that have come through HBCUs at various, you know, Division One, Two, Three that have, uh, you know, have had success in the NBA. Um, before I let you go, Mo, uh, obviously, we've seen the success in the bubble in the NBA. Uh, and so that's working. So for us to have college hoops work, uh, and we've got time, obviously it's, it's still only August versus, 
you know, when we hope is a different situation in November, but what must happen so that we can have, you know, the season we all want without having a bubble, which is obviously pretty hard to do in college athletics? Well, that's not my question to answer for, for, for sure. But I know, um, you know, we have to continue to do our part. Uh, we have a great, great um, athletic director in Jennifer Williams here that's um, leading us in the right direction, making sure that we're, we're um, doing everything we have to do from a safety um, standpoint and making sure that we're doing what uh, we're supposed to do to make sure these things. Now we can't control, um, you know, the climate and it, with, with, with the COVID. So I think we just move off, um, you know, kind of what the CDC talking or, you know, what the conference is talking. I think it's above us in that regard. But all we can do is what we can do to be prepared. All right, last thing, I'd be remiss if I didn't say, uh, all things being equal, we have the season we all want at some point. Uh, what kind of team will you have? We'll be good. We'll be good. We got eight new guys coming in with six guys returning. <clears throat> so um, that's always good as a coach. As soon as you can get your guys that you recruited in, the better you'll be, the quicker you'll be. Um, so we're excited about our team. Um, we're going to be, um, you know, an older team. We have a lot of seniors, some juniors. Um, so, you know, the older you are, the better you are. Um, so we, we believe in that. And we're excited to get these guys on campus in a couple of days, kind of see what we got, roll the ball out and see what we got. And what will a Mo Williams coach team look like in terms of the way you want to play? Absolutely. We'll play extremely hard. Obviously, um, we're not going to um, let a possession go to waste, but we're going to play fast. You know, everybody say you want to play fast, but uh, we're going to be very intelligent on the offensive end as far as a half-court um, situation. And on defense, we're going to just – you know, we're going to get into you, we're going to show you different defenses, but our premium is rebounding the ball, um, keeping guys in front of us. Well, that was your forte. I mean, you got in people's grill. So I think your players, I know you're still in good shape. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure you'll be showing <laughs> how to get in that stance and uh, get your hand up. And Andy, I always joke. I tell everybody, I just look like this. <laughs> I can't run three laps. <laughs> well, I know they'll be listening to you. Mo, I appreciate it. Best of luck and uh, stay safe, and I hope we talk soon. Thanks. Anytime. Thanks again for listening this week, and I appreciate everyone's passion and engagement for all of our content during this pandemic. We will continue to provide you with insightful commentary and interviews. Thanks again to our Turner Sports staff, Chad Acock, Abby Stoltz, Michael Kaplan, Sean Bartley, and the entire team at NCAA.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week. Stay safe. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply.